Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. On this episode of the Leadership is Female podcast, I welcome Ashley Strauss, creative director for the Detroit Lions. Ashley is an Emmy-nominated creative in the sports industry with experience working in-house for teams in the NFL, MLB, and NCAA. Today, we talk about critique, feedback, criticism, whatever you want to coin it, and how to take it and how to give it. Working as a creative, Ashley's work is constantly reviewed by the court of public opinion and her peers. And conversely, she is leading a team, so she has to provide feedback to them on a daily basis. Definitely some golden nuggets on this topic in our conversation. Ashley also talks about her best advice for women. Don't pay attention to the folks who say you can't do something. Fight to have a conversation at the table. Learn from your peers. Have thick skin. Don't let the haters get you down. Network with other women in the industry. Network with other women in the industry. That is what we're here for on the Leadership is Female podcast. Reach out to me. Reach out to any of these guests. We are here to help lead you forward in your career and support you. I'm so pumped to bring you Ashley Strauss today and continue this podcast in 2021. Why? Because leadership is female. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Ashley Strauss, creative director for the Detroit Lions. Welcome. Happy to be here. Glad we finally could connect on here. Yes. Pumped to have you. So want to have you introduce yourself to our listeners. If you can tell us who you are, what you do and how you got there. Yeah, no problem. Um, so like you said, I hold the title of creative director for the Detroit lions and, uh, I'll be going on my third season here, which can't believe that has moved so quickly. Um, basically I oversee our design team and our photography team. So to summarize, I basically lead and ideate all of our Detroit Lions and Ford Field branded campaigns. So very heavily involved with marketing, content, and social. Uh, I've been working in a similar role in sports for probably 11, 12 years now. Um, to go back to the beginning, I, I've always been involved in sports. It's always been an interest. I went to Eastern Michigan University played on the softball team there and um, got my degree in graphic design. And when I had graduated, had no clue what I was going to do with it. I, I, like completely just in the dark. Done, wasn't sure if I'd work at an agency or make medical pamphlets for a hospital. I didn't know where this would take me. Uh, so I just stuck to softball. I coached um, at my alma mater for a couple of years and then 
had an opportunity present itself as a graduate assistant in the media relations department at my alma mater. So an opportunity to go back to school and pursue my master's degree while also working in sports and then finally an opportunity to utilize my background in design. Um, so I was a sports information director for a few sports. So, you know, doing game notes, taking stats, um, updating the media guide, um, but also being able to do things like making splash pages and email blasts and posters and um, having opportunity to do all that. And obviously, I think this was before Instagram and Twitter. So like throughout my career, the scope has changed so greatly because of the capabilities of technology. Um, but finished up two years there, uh, got my master's in sport management, headed down to Indiana University in Bloomington as a director of publications. So again, a lot of print work, a lot of advertising, um, and then eventually switched over to creative director. So more um, high level campaign work, um, a lot of brand work, um, working with many departments. And then an opportunity opened up at Mississippi State University. It was around the time when Dak Prescott was there. They were number one in the country. An SEC school had to take the chance. So I moved down to Starkville, um, fell in love with the place, really great people, that small college town vibe. And then after about a year, uh, an NFL opportunity opened up at the Tennessee Titans and having family in Nashville. It's the NFL, like had to, had to jump at the chance. So um, when I got there, they had never had an in-house designer before. So quite literally inherited a blank slate. I uh, got to come in and kind of establish what, what that brand could be and what it could look like. Was there for a couple seasons and then made a trip out west to San Diego working with the Padres. Uh, so worked in baseball for about a year, year and a half, and then finally come full circle, returned back to Michigan, where I currently am with the Lions, which was my my hometown team growing up. So it's kind of cool seeing behind the curtain a little bit and working behind the scenes and getting to listen to all my friends and family be armchair GMs, as I call them, <laughs> telling me their thoughts on things that I have no control over. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go tell the owner that for you. Mm -hmm. So funny. So, so yeah, so just uh, wore a lot of different hats, moved around a bit um, before finally settling in here. And I've been happy throughout the whole journey. So that's awesome. It's not a dissimilar career path that many of our sports executives have had where they've had to move from one team to the next to various locations across the country seeking the next opportunity and how cool for you to be back in Michigan that's just got to be a dream oh yeah my family was very excited to have me oh. back and I was very happy to not pay for those expensive flights on the holidays every year and uh yeah it's just been great I've I love what I do and it's just been fulfilling challenge and just enjoying it. That's awesome. Well, can you give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on what, what you do day to day, season to season? We know you lead creative, you're working with the photographers, you've got to produce all this content. Like, what does that look like? How do you organize it and um, give us, give us a little insight. 
Sure. Um, so our creative department, we have myself, we have uh, a team photographer and two designers. And then we basically create content for any other department you can think of, whether it's sales, social, partnerships, um, public relations, even football operations from time to time, marketing, game day, um, events, you name it. And we, uh, with my job, essentially, I'm just managing the traffic and expectations as like a buffer between each department and then relaying what those needs may be to our team and whether it be whatever their business objectives are or you know, lip, setting expectations of timeline turnarounds from our team. Um, that's kind of a very surface level description. But, you know, like the day-to-day -day is just you know, checking things off the list sometimes and just getting through the project workflow. Um, and then obviously the creative conversations you're having with your teammates. So whether it's developing the new campaign for the upcoming season, or in our case, we're um, currently in uh, the process of hiring a new head coach and GM. So discussing what, what that could look like when we announce it. Um, so, you know, that takes talking to your leadership team, um, your team president, making sure that whatever we're putting out there aligns with what they're envisioning. Um, so it's just basically portraying the brand in the most effective, efficient and honest way possible. Um, so I guess the day to day, there is no really consistent day to day. Every day could be different. Um, uh, that's what makes it exciting, but I hope it's, that summarizes it well enough for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. There's, there's a lot to get done and, um, it makes it exciting that you're not, um, clocking in clocking out same time every day doing the same task every day. And I'm a bit of a geek about organization and processes. Can you give us a peek at how do you project manage? Um, how do you track the progress of those projects? Well, this year has been especially different because we are all still working from home. And it's been since March 13th of last year, I believe was the day. Um, so typically, um, say somebody from partnership needs a graphic made, they would go to a web portal, put in the request, provide any details, size, if it's print or digital, um, if, you know, provide any attachments like logos that may need to be involved. And then we then input that into a project management system where I can, you know, have conversations internally with my team about, hey, who's, who's got a lot on their plate this week, who can handle this project. And then from there, assign that out. And then they basically work directly with whoever requested it. And then we can keep up uh, with each other. We use Slack a lot for our day-to-day commu -day communication. Um, so we can just send a quick note. Hey, is that, how's that coming along? Sharing files, providing feedback, um, and then just making sure we're turning things around in a timely fashion and in a, in a, in a manner that makes the most sense for everybody. Um, and then we have our weekly um, video calls with creative. So some days are just five minutes to check in and say, Hey, how is everyone's weekend? You guys doing all right? How's the family? That kind of thing. And then other times we just end up chatting for an hour and I'm like, okay, guys, we got to move on because we could do this all day. Right. 
Um, so just keeping up with everybody, making sure everybody's staying on task, everybody's good mentally. I know it's been a very stressful, challenging year outside of the workplace as well. So just making sure your people are good and everybody's doing well. And yeah. The chatting for an hour is real, but it's because we don't have our run-ins in the office. Mm-hmm. So exactly. right. it's, it's part of being part of a team. You want to know how people are doing, you know, what's going on in their life. Building that rapport is important. So sometimes I look at the clock and think, oh shoot, you know, we just burned mm-hmm. an hour, but I don't think it's burning an hour if you're creating a stronger team atmosphere. Um, so you guys are not alone. I think that's happening across the board in our video calls, um, which which are all day, every day. Um, yeah, we have a lot. Yes, yes. I think we all do. We all do. But it's it's nice. It showed us what we're capable of and um, forced us into situations where um, we manage our time on our own, which is something we've asked for for a long time. And and here it is today. Yeah. And, and- It just goes to show that you don't have to be in the office all day, every day. Like, hey, I'm going to go home at three o'clock today and go finish this up. We've proven that that's you're able to do it. You know what I mean? You don't need to be tied to your desk to be efficient, at least in my role. Obviously, there's other roles where you have to be by a phone or something, but it's opened up a lot of eyes, I think. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think what it boils down to is your trust in your team that they're going to get done what is necessary and still remain curious about what, what could be more, what more can they do? And if you've got people on your team that are trustworthy and curious, it doesn't matter if they're working from the moon, they're going to produce for you. So that has been one benefit of this forced work from home is we've been able to figure out other ways that we can work in sports that don't tie us to our facilities 24 seven, which is probably a relief for everybody in this industry. I know my dogs are a lot happier that I'm home. All the oh, time. they are the <laughs> winners in 2020. I know when dogs. I go back, they're going to be like, wait, Where'd she go? Doggy depression is going to be yeah, our next topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I can't go any longer in this interview without saying that um, you have an Emmy nomination. So, first of all, congratulations. Um, and tell us about it. What was it for? And um, how did that come to fruition? Um, it sounds like a big deal, I guess, but. It was just a little um, animated piece um, from when I was at the San Diego Padres. And I think this individual piece, though, is a true testament into how various departments can come together to produce something that is noteworthy. Um, It was just a little Halloween animation. Um, So it was myself, our creative director there, Brendan Nieto, um, Tom, Neil, everybody from the video team. So we had somebody making 3D graphics, another person doing sound design, art direction. Um, and all of us put together this little this little piece of content that ended up getting nominated. We, we didn't end up winning the Emmy, but um, it was fun to go and get all dressed up and 
you know, be at the award ceremony. It was in Palm Springs. It was for a regional, regional Emmy, but um, yeah, I think even, even my boss and our senior vice president was just like, this is the perfect example of, of teamwork and how of all these people with different roles from various departments can come together and put something together like this. You're so humble, first of all, because that is awesome. Um, I Congratulations. And this is not the only piece of work that you've had recognized. Your work has been featured in several sports properties and organizations such as Brand New, Adidas America, ESPN, the SEC Network, Bleacher Report, SB Nation, Saturday Down South, Makers of Sport Podcasts, and the National Association of Collegiate Marketing Administrators. You have had a lot of your work um, be recognized. So tell us about that. What is it like getting your work featured? How did you do it? What advice do you have for those who want to be published or have their work recognized? Um, well, I think working in-house with the team helped a tremendous amount. Um, when I was at the Titans, I was approached by brand new and I was able to speak, um, at their conference in front of like 2000 people. So that was a little nerve wracking. Um, but just recognizing the work that, that has been done and pulling you in and saying, Hey, would you like to talk about this? Oh yeah, sure. Um, and then obviously just working with really, really good teammates at places like I believe Adidas, when we did a whole uniform line um, for baseball at Mississippi State, they featured a lot of the graphics that we were putting together and did an article on it. And again, a testament to having good people around you. Like I, I may have made the graphics, but we had other people behind the scenes who helped ideate and discuss what that could or couldn't be. Um, and then just having your work out there in the world. I know as a designer or somebody who creates, sometimes it's kind of scary because you're opening up something that you've put out into existence to public opinion. And so when you get the, the, the great reception or um, feedback on the work and it's recognized, that's great. But on the flip side, I've also had stuff out there that people are just like, fire the design intern. And I'm like, Oh, that's rough. You know what I mean? So it's just an interesting position to be in when you're a creator and to have your work put up for awards, but on the flip side, it can also be left to public destruction, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's just a weird, it's a weird feeling, I guess. Yeah. And I want to dig into that a little bit more. Being a designer, you are, in a position for constant feedback. Like you said, on one hand, accolades and recognition, and on the other hand, just destruction by public opinion. Um, so this question is twofold. So one, how do you deal with the feedback? And two, as a director, you're managing a team, and so you have to provide feedback to your teammates on their work. Um, talk to us about both, both receiving the feedback and providing the feedback. For sure. Um, I think receiving the feedback, you know, like an example, say something gets put out in the public and it gets absolutely crushed by public opinion. You just got to remind yourself, you can't take it personal. This isn't an attack on you. I know sometimes we feel attached to our work in that way. Um, but also not everyone understands the processes that go behind how this came to be. There could be a lot of people 
putting input on something that may have swayed design decisions or decisions on other areas of whatever this final product is. So not knowing that they may have had a tight turnaround, that this was something that you had zero notice and had to put something very quickly out there, whereas you may have approached it differently had you had a little bit more time to do so. And then, you know, people may just not like your team or they may just be mad that the team's not doing well or traded their favorite player and may just be trolling. So just reminding yourself that if, if people aren't, you know, understanding of what went into creating that, you just kind of have to let it, let it slide. Um, and then obviously providing feedback to your team um, that happens constantly. And I think when you're first getting to know somebody, so like say you have a new hire, you're in a new role. First and foremost, it's learning how to communicate with those people. Some people you can be blunt with and other people you may need to soften that a bit. Um, and so one, just getting to know your team and what they are receptive to. Some people may do well with face-to-face -face conversations. Some may do better on Slack or email. Um, so learning those little nuances about who's on your team, I would say first and foremost. And then also if you set expectations and set goals, it's easy to help people get back to that if they start to deviate or stray away from it. So if you set a standard and it's a consistent standard and you also live by those same standards, then it's much easier and much more fair for you to criticize, I hate the word criticize, critique or provide feedback on how they can correct that behavior or improve that behavior or change that behavior. So just a culmination of so many things. It's just not, a, it's, you know, it's not just like, oh yeah, just tell them the truth. Like, well, you know, there's a little bit more to it. Okay. There was solid gold in your answer there for providing feedback to your team. So I have to reiterate that three, three points that I was like furiously writing down on my paper. So the, the first one was how to communicate with your team and getting to know your team. So having those conversations, it's not a universal one size fits all. The second piece was also a how, but this one meant the medium or the mode. Is it via text like email or Slack, or is it face-to-face -face, knowing how that individual best receives feedback in what medium, um, then you can go, go in that channel. And then the third was setting a standard. It's obviously a lot easier to provide feedback to somebody if they know what you're trying to achieve as a group. And if you're holding yourself mm -hmm. to that same standard, I think a lot of times the discomfort can come from if you look inward and you're like, wait, before I provide feedback to that person, let me think about the last project I worked on. <laughs> Did I do what I was supposed to do? Did it turn out great? Was the team satisfied? So I think following those three pieces of advice is incredible. Yeah. And it definitely holds yourself accountable, especially as, if somebody who's managing people, like I can't tell somebody on my team, like, Hey, we need you to start getting here on time. If I'm constantly late or, Hey, you're letting deadlines slip when I'm doing the same thing. So just making sure that you're, you're living up to those standards as well. And just being the leader that you would want to work for as well. 
It's that time of year, one of my favorite times of year, annual goal setting. We get to make the choice on what we want to pursue for the next 12 months. Do you need some help? Do you need a guide to take you through this annual practice? If so, head on over to my website, emilyjansen.com, and download your free guide to creating annual goals. One of the reasons I love this practice so much is it allows me to reflect on the current year and plan how I'll grow in the next I've had this practice for several years, so it's fun to look back and see just how far I've come. Join me in being a goal getter and download my free guide at emilyjansen.com. Don't forget to share your goals with me and other Leadership is Female listeners by following me on Instagram at emilyjansen and hashtag leadership is female. You have an athletic mindset. You are tough and yet calm under pressure. You are a leader, a hard worker, and a believer in the process. Now is time to put it all together. Athletes seek an edge and the Win Again Academy will give you just that. Visit markmoyer.com slash winagain-academy. Register today for a virtual networking event in the club room. You won't believe the people you'll meet. Personally, it's the best virtual networking event platform I have ever used and most connected event I have attended. Visit markmoyer.com slash win again dash academy. 100%. Be the leader that you want to work for. That Mm. is great advice. And you had mentioned earlier that you went back to school and got your master's. There's a lot of people in our industry considering pursuing a master's. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like and how having your master's has benefited your career. Yeah. um, So when I graduated with my undergrad, it was in graphic design, which I guess I would consider more of a specialized area. And so going back for my master's, excuse me, my master's in sport management, it opened up a lot of, a lot more options for me because I was able to learn a bit more about the business side of the industry Um, so I got to learn about sport law and marketing and putting on an event and compliance and basically any, any aspect of the business side of sports. And for me, that opened up my eyes in terms of how things operate on the business side. So like if I have an understanding of what say, sales goes through or what marketing has to do every year or what partnerships needs are and how they handle contracts with external partners. Having an understanding and empathy for what they do helps me do my job better because then I can approach them and say, hey, I understand that you're facing X, Y, and Z challenges. Here's how I can help you navigate through those or here's how I can help alleviate those challenges. So like say sales needs an extra boost, like we're struggling with something, we're trying to think of an incentive, how can we make this more appealing? Well, from our standpoint, we can help you with like targeted ads or emails that maybe look a little bit more elevated than what you typically have been sending out. Or, you know, in-game presentation, if they need help with graphics or any signage needs, anything like that, we can help. So just having an understanding and a working knowledge or somewhat brief knowledge of the multifaceted parts of a front office organization just 
opened up a lot of doors for me, especially opened up a lot of conversations. You're truly a more empathetic leader now having gotten your, your masters because it exposed you to the entirety of the business and you've been able to become a problem solver. And the way you're solving problems is by approaching them with, Hey, I understand you might be encountering some of these hurdles here. So I can help. I mean, what an asset. Yeah. And it's helping you learn their language too, because I could sit here and talk about different design terms and different file types, but that may not interest somebody (laughs) who's working in facility operations. You know what I mean? So like learning their language and how to find that in between to facilitate those conversations saves time, gets to the point more quickly and make sure that whatever we're providing is what they need. And yeah, I just think it, it just provided so many opportunities. And especially if you want to be in a leadership role and having that additional education and background is going to benefit you tremendously. I love that advice. That's great. So switching gears a little bit um, into the design world, um, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in design for 2021? Um, I think with the current situation with the pandemic, I think that you're going to see a lot more jobs that are open to remote work. I think that's the biggest change that we're going to be seeing. I've seen it already where they, like we talked about before we started the podcast, like um, so many places are starting to realize that certain roles can be done remotely. And maybe there is an occasional travel and for big meetings, you know, once it's safe to do so. But I think that there's just a huge opportunity for remote work now with what we do. We're, we're task oriented. We're not having to be, you know, schmoozing clients, trying to get these multi-million dollar contracts or signing players or anything like that, we can sit behind a computer and create and provide work for the organization across the country. Yeah, I think that's becoming a trend across all industries. I'm in Reno, Nevada, and I can't tell you how many People are relocating from California um, into our area because remote work is now available. The we've seen the housing prices in Tahoe, which I didn't think this was possible for those to go two or three X, but it's bananas because people don't have to be locked into a certain region of the state of California. They're allowed this remote work, um, which you know hopefully we'll see the benefits better. Um, work-life balance or work-life integration, um, more positive um, attitudes and engagement when people even have the view that they want, you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I would say the, the work-life balance and just your, your mental health of being, you know, you can work from home in the comfort of your own place and not worry about the commute or in, in sadly, some cases like, oh, I have to stay here till six or I'm going to get in trouble, that kind of thing, which unfortunately it happens some places. Um, but, you know, it's just, it opens up so many possibilities. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And as an extrovert that I am, I totally appreciate what sports 
brings not only to me as an employee, but to people in general, like we can get our work done at home and then like come together for these big, incredible events. And that's super exciting to me that you can be dedicated and focused in your workspace, whether that's in your home office or at the facility. Um, And then we get to be the ones to put on the big show where everyone sort of comes out of their places and gathers together and roots for the same team. Um, Sports is going to continue to be that rallying cry Mm -hmm. for the people in this country. Yeah. Provide a little comfort and distraction from the difficulties we've been facing and, you know, to be a part of that, looking back on this year and saying like, wow, I was one of only like 500 people at Ford Field for a game with no fans, like to be able to see that in person and be a part of that. I mean, the circumstances for why that happened are sad, but, you know, to say, man, I remember back in 2020, um, I don't know, it's just a unique, it's a unique thing. And like you said, to bring people together is what, why we do it, you know? Yeah. And I, I felt this shift, like this palatial shift in just our being, um, when football came back, it was like, okay, we've got some normalcy as Americans here. America's, uh, America's game of football is going to be here all fall, all winter. And whether or not we get to be in the stadium, we still get to cheer for our team. So I know it was a huge lift to even get the league up and running. And I know we talked about um, before before I hit record that the Lions uh, didn't miss a game this season. So it's a huge testament to to your team and the protocols and, and having everything work out so well. Yeah. Um, it was just crazy when, you know, baseball was going through playoffs and NFL's figuring out, okay, can we have fans? And obviously that differed by state, but just the amount of work and effort that went in, especially like our operations and facilities folks who they had to prepare for every single scenario, no fans, some fans, like it's just kudos to them for figuring out a way and getting us up and running and then keeping us up and running through the season. Yeah. I mean, it's, these are lessons that not really sure right now what that hindsight is, how these will be applied in the future. But um, I know we use the word pivot a lot and we've learned how to be, uh, malleable and, and roll with it. And, um, I think those are tremendous life lessons. And speaking of life lessons for you, Ashley, what has been the tipping point in your career? I think, um, when I first started, I thought like team, no sleep, the work should be a grind. Like pouring myself into work. I thought that was like to be, you know, congratulated and idealized. And there was a point a couple years ago where I was just so burnt out that I just thought about quitting without another job lined up. I was just toast creatively, mentally, physically, the long, long hours, putting myself, you know, setting a standard that I was pretty much impossible, but I was setting it up for myself Um, and not taking time to take care of me, Ashley, 
in too much time as Ashley, the creative director. Um, so that took a little bit of learning that I'm not my title, um, who, what I do is not who I am. Um, and so I think that was just a tipping point of like, okay, this is a wonderful job. I love what I do, but I'm also a human being and I need to take care of that side of who I am as well. One shouldn't take precedent over the other. So I think finding the time to take care of my mental and physical health, becoming more of a priority changed my outlook. I've, I have a lot more energy now. I enjoy what I do now. Um, I'm not feeling as burnt out. And then it brings you a more positive attitude to work and that therefore you become a better mentor, a better colleague. So yeah, just forcing myself to be like, okay, it's okay if I like turn my phone off after 8 PM, you know, if I'm not expecting anything, like just take the time away to take care of you. I love that. You said what I do is not who I am and I am not my title. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to frame those two sentences <laughs> on my office wall. Crochet them on one of those little, I don't know what they're called. On a little pillow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I need it, you know, sitting on the back of my chair or something. Because it's it's true. I mean, we work so hard to earn these roles. And you sometimes can lose yourself on that journey because you're so dedicated to that pursuit. And mm-hmm. I'm and so happy to hear about how you reached that tipping point, identified it that you needed to take time for yourself before it was too late. And then it's only allowed you more room to excel in the future. So mm-hmm. I hope everyone is, is listening to that. It's it's not a negative thing to take the time for yourself, to have a hobby outside of work, to make space for physical movement. That couldn't be more important in my daily life is getting out there and moving my body, whether now it's just walking my dogs while I'm working from home or um, really taking the time to sweat it on a Peloton ride. Like you, I've got to make the time and space for, um, mental clarity. Mm -hmm, For sure. And so the, um, the other question around this, this personal challenge is the biggest hurdle in your career that you've had to overcome. Is there one, is there two? Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles for me has been, trying to show value or worth in what my role in particular brings to an organization. I've been places where creative is kind of like thought of as a window dressing or like the afterthought. And it's not really taken into consideration as part of the bigger picture in terms of like your brand or business. And um, the challenge of trying to say like, hey, we help, we may not, you know, directly generate revenue, but the pitch decks that partnership uses that we make that led to a $3 million contract, you wouldn't have been able to do that without us. Or, you know, the promoted ads that we create for social help bring in people to buy tickets or the signage or the experience that fans have at a stadium, we help provide part to that experience. And so, um, learning how to present creative in that way and convince people 
that there is value in what we do. And this is not like a Kinko's where, Hey, I need this. And I need this tomorrow, you know, like trying to establish like, Hey, we are part of the business. So treat us as such. And fortunately I'm in a place now that understands what we do. And my, my um, boss, Emily Griffin, she's our VP of marketing. She gets exactly what we do has a wonderful knowledge of how things work. So um, to have her, to have empathy coming from a vice president and giving you that trust to do what you do is just amazing. We are not a Kinko's. I love it, <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. Your message is really about owning your role, owning your position and being able to articulate why it is so vital and so important to the organization's success. And We've been fortunate enough um, where I work now with the ACEs to have a really talented graphic designer. And it's, it's unbelievable the difference that it makes, even Mm -hmm. if you're just looking at like social analytics, like the engagement that you're getting because of the videos that they can make, or just the consistency in your brand. That's so important. And you're right. Like in order to be able to close big partnership deals, that has to look impressive. And the reason it looks impressive is because you've got a great graphics team and that's why you, you bring in the money. So, um, I love that you're able to recognize that and articulate that. And I think that's a wonderful example for the listeners. You know, what do you say about your role or what do you say about your team, about how it benefits the company in which you work? Yeah, for sure. Just know your worth and don't be afraid to present that to whomever is listening. So amazing advice. And that was my next question for you is what is your top advice for women? I think first of all, don't pay any attention to folks who say you can or can't do something because of who you are. Um, You're there for a reason. You were hired for a reason. Um, There were applicants who were not women that you beat out. So don't think that anything was just handed to you. I think fight to have a conversation at the table, um, do a lot of listening and learn, like learn from your mentors, your peers, whether they be men or women, people that you think um, that you want to emulate in in your future uh, position. And then also, I mean, I hate to say that you have to have thick skin. I fortunately have not had a a terrible time because of uh, being a woman in my field, but I'm also not a public facing person. You could go talk to somebody who may work as a reporter or, you know, of a leadership role who's in front of the camera or, you know, public facing, they may face a lot more challenges. Whereas myself, I'm behind a computer. No one knows really who I am publicly. So um, yeah, just don't let, (laughs) don't let the haters get you down, I guess. Um, And then also there's a whole network of women in sports. So if you are struggling or if you, you know, are facing something, you don't know what to do, just network and reach out. There's so many of us now in these roles and um, I'd be happy to, happy to connect with anybody if anyone's having issues or, or fears or, you know, are hesitant to go ask for that raise, like, there's a huge support system out here. 
I love that. And that's so generous of you to make yourself available. And I think oftentimes women were, we go it alone and we don't need to do it. There's a whole tribe of us and we're, um, we're lucky now that there's groups in the bigger cities like wise. Um, but I mean, this podcast, there's several other similar ones, um, that are led by other incredible women who work in sports, lean into that, listen to that, reach out to those women. It is genuine when people like Ashley or myself say, Hey, we're here for you reach out and we'd be, we'd be happy to help. Um, so to wrap up this incredible conversation, can you share your favorite quote? All right. It's not, it's not necessarily a quote, but it's an idea. So there's this book, it's called the four agreements and I forget who wrote it. Um, but there were these four tenants really about living your life and they are, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I think you can dig deeper into that if you read the book, but I think that they're just really simple, four simple things to live by and are very applicable in any job or life in general. Love it. Something else we can crochet on a pillow <laughs> for sure. I think that's like our Midwestern roots coming back. Like we can imagine in our I know. childhood <laughs> homes, these um, like, embroidered on, pillows. Can you throw them out? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Couch or... I know. I got sent, um, my mom sent me the sampler from that she had made when I was born. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like a baby in a cradle and it says my like, name on it, my birth weight. I'm like, is this going to go in my office? But well, there's a centerpiece at home. It's, Thanks. It, it's a gem. It's yeah. a gem. Just, um, just like you, Ashley, this has been an incredible interview. Um, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your perspective and your journey with us. And can you tell us how do we stay in touch? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Ashley Strauss, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-R-A-U-S-S. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, not as often, but, um, you can reach out to me on Twitter and send me a message or connect with me there. And I'm, I'm on there pretty often. So. Awesome. Thank you. And enjoy the off season. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is fun. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, teamwork, teammates, you've got them, now use them. Work together to get the job done with excellence. Having good people around you will make all the difference in your career and in your success. Number two, on feedback. First, receiving feedback. Age-old reminder, don't take it personally. Not everyone understands the process that went into the work, so consider that before you take their word for it. Was the project the result of others' feedback? Were you on a tight deadline? People may just not like your team right now. And let's face it, some people are just trolls. So make sure you are looking through the right lens when you're receiving feedback. The second piece on giving feedback to your team, here's three steps from Ashley. One, recognize each person as an individual and understand what's the best way for them to accept the feedback you're about to give. Number two, how? What medium should you use? Face-to-face, -face, Slack, email, how do they best process feedback? And three, 
set a standard and hold everyone, including yourself, to that standard. And if you do, feedback becomes much easier to deliver. Number three in the top four takeaways, be the leader you want to work for. And number four, hashtag team no sleep is not a team you want to be on. Ashley experienced major burnout in her career as a result of burning the candle at both ends in the office and wearing the badge of hours worked as an honor on her chest. The result, she almost quit. Instead of quitting, she took a step back and took time for herself. And in that, she found some realization. What I do is not who I am. I am not my title. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.